Welcome to the MedSpa Success Strategies Podcast. I'm your host, Ricky Shockley, owner of MedSpa Magic Marketing, and this is where MedSpa and aesthetics practice owners come to discover strategies and tactics that help them better market and manage their practices so they can grow, improve profitability, and have more financial freedom. Really excited today to be joined by Terry Ross. Terry is the founder and CEO of Terry Ross Consulting and the founder and co-CEO of Apex Platform. She's a world-renowned practice management expert, key opinion and thought leader, high-performance sales coach, and sought-after international speaker in the medical aesthetics industry. Her proven results, passion, energy, data-driven approach, and entrepreneurial spirit is driving the industry to new heights. Terry and her team bring a combined 50-plus years of experience, achieving more than 2,800% growth with clients in the most competitive markets in the world, in addition to launching more than 100 new medical aesthetics practices across the country. This interview is jam-packed with insights, just like I try to make all of these interviews. And I really believe if you listen to this, you're going to come away with a handful of things that are going to dramatically impact your practice and your profitability and your future. So hope you stay tuned, listen to the entire interview. I'm confident that it's going to be well worth your while. Hi, Terry. How are you doing? I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Ricky. What's up? Finally, we're making this happen. Happy to be we here. We did. We've been back and forth a few times. I'm excited to, to finally do this interview. And you and I were just talking and I was referencing a podcast episode you had maybe close to a year ago where you were talking about uh, 10 things that you thought med spas should really be paying attention to. And you and I were talking about we might do people a disservice if we try to run through all 10 of these <laughs> on the first episode together. So the plan here is we're going to start from the top with my notes and we'll dig as far as we can dig on some of these items. And if we don't make it all the way through, hopefully we can have you back for another if that works. I would love that. That'd be great. All right. So I think this is great. I love like I, I think like from my perspective when I'm listening to podcasts or going to seminars or trade shows, anything like that, you're always looking for the one or two little nuggets that can transform mm -hmm. your business. And sometimes it's the smallest little thing you can pick up. So if you're mm -hmm. listening to this, I hope you're going to get at least a handful of things. I'm confident that you will out of this interview. So the first thing from the notes from that episode I wanted to talk about, mm -hmm. and this is something that I think there's conflicting information on and there's conflicting opinions on and it's the idea of knowing your unique value proposition. So I guess I'll give you a little bit of a, a background on, on the theory that I've had about unique value propositions as they relate to med spas. Okay. Uh, my contention has kind of always been that there's a series of factors that people are weighing when they make a purchase decision with a med spa. And you have to win on the on the mental calculation people are doing when they're weighing those factors. So right, you don't necessarily have to be the cheapest person in town, but if you don't have a good reputation, you also can't be the most expensive person in town. You kind of have to know where you stand in the eyes of the consumer versus the local competition and figure out what things tip the scales. Um, I know when we had Sarah on, she's very um, she's very much in thinking that, hey, you need to pick your lane and be who you're going to be. Are you the Walmart version of mm -hmm. a med spa or are you the super high-end luxurious med spa with a top-end environment, but top-notch pricing to go along with it and a top-notch not top -notch reputation? So in that podcast episode, you mentioned a quote, the riches are in the niches. So I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit on the idea of unique value proposition, positioning, and that quote. Gosh, let's lots to unpack there. That was you my know, most long-winded um, yeah. intro question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I think that you know all those comments and quotes that you just that you just made are accurate. But I think that the space, you know, if we if we take a look at and unpack what people typically think about who the consumer is today, right? You're, you know, thirty-year-old to seventy-year-old, which now it's more in the right the the twenty-year-olds doing things for preventative. Um, and most medical spas or tied to a plastic surgeon's office are offering 
everything under the sun, right? Lasers, injectables, skincare, hair restoration. They're either offering so much that everything gets a little bit convoluted. So when we think about value proposition, and it's true, you made the comment about the, are you the Walmart? Are you the, I don't know what, Neiman Marcus? I always use things like that. Or, you know, are you, are you the Hotel Six or Motel Six? Or are you like the Four Seasons? It, not that it doesn't matter, it matters. But somebody could be a very high priced, doesn't mean you're that good. But their positioning and their external brand relays that and conveys that perception. So when we think about the avatar client, talking to a 20-year-old who wants their lips done versus a 50-year-old who needs a facelift is a very different conversation, right? So the messaging that is put out there into the world, into the market, in terms of why should someone come to my practice? One, most people don't have that cadence down. They cannot articulate the credentials behind the doctor. And it's not that, oh, Dr. Smith is board certified. Well, they should be, right? Or, but can they really articulate, have they been published or how many surgeries or procedures have they done? And what are some of the unique things about that practice that makes it unique that can warrant that high pricing if that's what it is, right? Do they have reduction in sutures or outcomes or whatever, whatever it might be? But that UVP, does not or is not usually correlated into the training of the team. So then there's inconsistency because there's high turnover. And I always say when I'm on stage, if I lined up your team and I asked them, what's the unique value proposition of your business? And can they, can they credential the practice and the provider? What would they say? And I guarantee it's all different. And so that's part of the problem that one, we don't even, we don't have it. And if we think we do, how do we convey that message to the external world and then to your internal staff? That makes a ton of sense. So this is an unrelated question, but this is one that I think uh, we've had different guests with differing opinions on this too. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're positioning and like and you you are going to aim to be that top tier brand in your market, mm-hmm. the luxury brands. What are your thoughts on discounting to acquire new patients if that is if that's the positioning that you're trying to obtain, do you, can those two things go hand in hand or do you diminish your brand by trying to discount to acquire new patients? Yeah, I think it's almost a misnomer. If my, if my brand equity and positioning is such that I am the creme de la creme and I may, I'm charging a premium price, why would I start having specials that I don't want the looky loo discount shopper? Those people are already searching and shopping for price which means they're typically not going to have any loyalty with you that diminishes long-term retention, that diminishes lifetime value because I don't have any loyalty. I'm coming based on a price thing, (laughs) which means I probably couldn't afford it in the first place. Makes sense. And I know that's kind of been like the, uh, I know there's different schools of thoughts on this. And like mine has always been, that so there's a quote from a book called The Advertising Effect by Adam Ferry that I really like. And his mm-hmm. quote is action changes attitude faster than attitude changes action. And Love it. I like I like that quote because it's basically an explanation of like if you can get someone into your practice to have an authentic experience, that that's the best way to shape mm-hmm. their perception more than any marketing message possibly could. I always give this example. Now, my wife and I, we drive 30 minutes into the city to go to our old dentist because we have a perception and favorability of our dentist based on experience. Like he's in a crummy office on the West side of Nashville. (laughs) I drive there in rush hour instead of going to a dentist that's three miles from our house. So 
is there a way to be strategic with promotion if you're a top tier brand? Like, so I guess it's very different than having a Groupon offer to me where you know mm-hmm. you're only attracting the people that are trained discount shoppers as opposed mm-hmm. to maybe a Facebook and Instagram ad that you're showing to a high-end market that lives really close to your med spa maybe. So is there any thought that, that maybe that balance can work or do you think it's just overall it's more of a detriment than it is a good? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if there's a right or a wrong. In my opinion, obviously, there's many, many ways to skin this cat. I think that if you want to introduce a new service or a new treatment, right, if you're on the forefront of that early adoption and are trying to grow your practice with something like that, then I think there is a way to... To, to leverage that, whether it's through advertising or Google ads or Facebook ads or whatever, whatever it is that your methods of advertising are to attract perhaps a new base of patients. However, I don't think that it needs to be a reduction in price. I think that I'm going to, I'm going to take it on another tangent because this is what most people don't know. Anybody doing marketing to attract a new patient, one, there's an acquisition cost that they should know tied to a KPI benchmark that they don't know what that is. That's number one, right? Number two, they don't, they have to understand what is the gross profit on that particular service. They don't know that because then there's no labor involved. So by the time I break down my gross profit, my cost of goods, the time and labor, and then I'm like, oh, hey, let me do a discount. It's sad. And pathetic a lot of the times that when that happens, because the industry, and again, I say this with love and from such a humble place, but you have to know the financials around those things first before you can decide and make an informed decision to say, my business can afford to reduce this by 10% and I'm still making X. Otherwise, sometimes people are losing yeah. money significantly. So I know we were talking about trying to attract a new patient, but there's a way to do that. But there's also a way to make sure that your business isn't losing money. And that's, to me, the first and foremost, um, I think, you know, yeah, priority. That makes that makes sense. I, sorry, Terry. I think I'm. No. I think the, my connection's getting a little fuzzy. Um, but so is there also something to be said then, like uh, for, for different services? So if you're selling something, let's say you're like a plastic surgeon where it's a breast dog. Like that person may only be coming to you once in their whole life. You probably don't want to get into the game of discounting at all if you're going to be a, a, a premium provider. But if you're if you're a med spa and uh, it's going to be something like Botox or filler where people are coming back more frequently, that it's okay to have that loss leader. And I know, so Sarah and Dr. Clinton and Med Spa Confidential, they kind of have that idea of if we're, if we're spending $300 to acquire a customer, and that person only spends $400 with us the first time, it looks like a very dumb decision. But if we start to factor in any element of lifetime value, it still might be a really effective use of those ad dollars, regardless, I guess, of whether you're discounting or not. So does the strategy kind of differ for practices, whether you're you're doing things as like a, a one and done versus something that relies on repeat business? So I think, um, and I'm, I, I know those two folks that you just mentioned, and I think that Again, if I were to tie the problems in the industry related to that, that sure, that sounds correct, theoretically, but if I don't do a proper consultation, 
if I don't train my team, meaning my front desk and my providers to do that consultation that is tied to a treatment plan. So I didn't just talk to the patient about the Botox the one time. I talked to her or him about multiple things. If I didn't do that, then we're expecting or assuming that the patient's going to come back. So that's a bigger thing to unwrap than to just say, well, she she could or would come back. Well, we, we hope she will, but you're going to have a bigger problem if that's not the philosophy of your business that you believe in treatment plans. And that's a lot of what I teach and one of my core topics in my training curriculum is that that's not taught because in this industry, it's like, well, I don't, I don't want to be a salesperson and I don't want to be pushy or that's not what they came in for. So I'm not going to talk to that person about that or they can't afford it. I mean, I can go down the laundry list of objections. So I think that, <laughs> that sure, is Botox a profitable thing? It's not at all, but I, I don't, I would, I wouldn't coach that, like, let's just try to consume that patient and hope they're going to come back. Your business better have a very tight plan if you expect them to come back. Yep, for sure. And I, and I always say that too. It's like, if you've got problems in your business with the way that you're managing your team, retaining staff, uh, the way that you're communicating with patients, then no amount of marketing is going to fix mm -hmm. that. You're you're just going to keep spending money to get new patients that leave you. Like if you're not retaining mm -hmm. patients and doing a good job, yeah. it's not really going to work. Nothing's going to work. And I know like mm -hmm. I've been talking about this a lot more on in my YouTube channel the last couple months are the financials even on the marketing side. And I know mm -hmm. this is like the non-sexy stuff that people are like, I just wanted to, you to tell me what kind of thing to do to get more <laughs> business. And, but it's if you don't know these things, you cannot plan for success in your business. Mm -hmm. And like it's a, it's a very, very necessary exercise to sit down and understand how much it costs to acquire a customer, how many of those people you're retaining. Instead yeah. of a lifetime value, I always tell people, an, analyze the average amount somebody spends with you through yeah. the course of a year. So, so that you can get some realistic uh, projections for how you can affect your growth in 6, 12, 24 months. Um, but awesome. That was really helpful. Thanks for going down that tangent. No, I'm glad we got of to, course. to dig. And I love, I'm going to echo, thank you for backing me up in your, <laughs> as a marketer, right? What you see, because you're absolutely right. There's not a day that goes by that we don't hear, Terry, oh, I need a new marketing company, or I need a new website, or I need this new thing, or I need to spend this much more money. But I'm like, well, wait a minute, how, you know, what percent of the time are you nurturing the ones that you have? And to your point, exactly. What do they spend? How often do they return? Do, what do they return for? Is it the same thing or is it multiple things? If you start picking apart the onion, you can find so much opportunity. But again, all of that wherewithal comes from what you, I would say, inspect what you expect. How do you run your business? You know, what do you measure? What do you track? What do you analyze? That's the only way you can make a change. Yeah. And you, and I think so many people, though, they they hear that and they have this weird tendency to ignore it and just go to the shiny thing, like yeah. you said, thinking that it's going to fix their problems and it's not. Yeah. Um, I had a call with a client recently and, and we were talking about how many patients she needed booked per day to fill her schedule. And it was a tough conversation because if we're relying on ads to do this, you don't even have enough money to <laughs> fill those books. So like there, there are other problems with re staff retention, turnover, the way that we're selling our services yeah. and the way that we're communicating our products and services that are like core issues that marketing is not going to fix. So 
Could we get into some of those benchmarks? If, if yeah. we're looking at like retention, I know every business is different depending on how the customer got to you. The answer could be different, mm -hmm. the services that you're providing. But when we talk about tracking KPIs, that was number six on my list to jump a little bit mm -hmm. out of order. Um, you said data gives us truth. Without, without it, we're relying on our opinions to make important decisions. That mirrors something that I've been saying on our YouTube channel a lot. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can't just go off gut and people do that with marketing all yeah. the time. It's like, I think it's working or I think it's not. Like, you know, you should know. I spend right. this much, I acquired this many customers. And then from there, you should know how those things play out in your business. So um, could we go into some of those numbers, gross co uh, profit, cost of goods sold, payroll costs, just some benchmarks generally that you recommend? Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about med spa specifically, I mean, payroll costs, like I think you mentioned that first, right? That ideally should be under 30%. You know, your cost of labor under 20%. Marketing spend, you may have a different thought. We typically say eight to 10%. If somebody's new, they're going to spend more. Um, gross profit on procedures should be over 50%, well over 50%. Um, cost of goods, you know, this ranges anywhere from 30 to 50%. It's high. You know, I always ask people, what do they think is more profitable, lasers or injectables? And sometimes it's scary the answers I get. Um, Certainly, again, when, when you started this conversation, you talked about riches in the niches. And when I use that phrase, it's directly tied to these KPIs because you don't have to be everything to everybody, but you do have to know the services that yield an, a, a high return on you know investment. And when you know that, that's the only time you can build a strategic marketing plan because you're marketing for the things that are going to make you money. And then again, you're tying that along with that training perspective and component where, where the philosophy of your organization is such that you want a patient for life, not a patient once. And the only way to do that, and again, back to the value proposition is to say, you know, Ricky, what you can expect when you come here is ABC and one, two, three, and here's what you're going to, you're going to get. People just don't, aren't able to articulate things like that. And that already sets the tone of a, a different kind of conversation and that wow factor of the client that you want to come in, not the some, not the person who's just shopping around. For sure. One of the things that I've been talking about, like from a marketing investment standpoint is, and I think people need to understand this too. Like if you're, if you're discounting your cost to acquire a customer is going to be lower, but like you said, there's a trade-off. There's going to be more as a percentage of those people, there's going to be more people that are price sensitive, right? If, if you're going to be the luxurious brand in town and you're going to sell people on reputation and full price first, I think the prerequisite, like you have to actually have it, right? You can't, yeah. <laughs> I, it's hard to fake it if you don't have it. Mm. And then you have to understand that when you're spending money on marketing, you're probably going to have a higher cost to acquire a customer, but the quality yeah. of the customer is probably going to be better. So that's kind of, I think the trade-off to just step back to that previous part of the conversation. But thanks for those benchmarks. I think that's really mm -hmm. helpful. I don't think a lot of people pay attention to those things. Having even some sort mm -hmm. of rough number, like I think this is the first time some people are going to hear that, you know, payroll costs should be 30% or less. There's probably mm -hmm. people that have no concept of that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I see a lot, and it's, I think kind of a sad thing in the industry, especially in the med spa space, is you have a lot of practices doing a million and a half dollars in revenue where the owner can't mm -hmm. take home a paycheck and they're really yeah. struggling. Um, Dr. Carol Clinton in our episode that we had uh, prior to when she passed away was she talked about uh, the idea of right sizing. And I've been bringing that up a lot on the podcast mm -hmm. too. So if people are in this point where like they're struggling, they don't have a huge budget, but they've got a big space and a big staff. Um, what is kind of the cure for being in that position? Let's just say, let's just say you're a, a practice doing a million and a half revenue. You've got 
an office space that's too big for what you need. You have team mm-hmm. staff that's too big for what you have in terms of demand for appointments. And let's say, let's layer that on to where maybe you even have an issue where you've got competitors in town that have 4.9 five-star reviews and you're maybe not the top-notch provider in terms of online reviews mm-hmm. and reputations. What is kind of the the catalyst? What are the combination of things that, what are the steps a person in that situation should be taking to turn their business around? Holy shit. Now that, I know that's a, that, yeah, that, well, God, I, I hope not a lot of people are in that place, but, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, I've, you know, been doing this a, a really long time. And I think that, uh, the, the misconception sometimes is it's a little bit easier to get into the space and get a br- brick and mortar and get some services and get some marketing. And then the people are going to come. And, you know, I often say that that's just sort of a recipe for um, for failure. And there's a lot of people that are uh, have oversized space that can't fill the space. So, look, there's a couple things to do. I mean, obviously, you can rent out rooms. You know, depending on how the space is, you can you know bring on other services. I mean, the big hot topic is the whole semi-glutide hormones, wellness, depending on your model and how much money you're going to have. I mean, something is either going to give where you're either going to have to forego the space, right? And, or expand into different ways with different revenue sources. Um, And then look, take a good hard look. I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's an unfortunate place to be if somebody is in that position. Um, That being said, going into, you know, being an entrepreneur or a med spa owner and a provider, you really do need to have enough cash flow and enough reserves to sustain if that were to ever happen. You know, otherwise you're either going to have to give up the business, which would be the the worst place to be. um, And, or say, you know what, I need a practice assessment. That's one of the things we do at our company. Everyone gets it. It's a very robust deep dive into the health of someone's business. Because if they don't know, even if they innately think they know, they have to have, you know, an action plan of the gaps in, in their business by experts who can tell them what's wrong. And I often say areas of opportunity, but more importantly, the steps to fix it. So that, a little that's bit awesome. Is that, pra- that practice assessment, is there a link to that? Because I'd like to put that in the show notes too. Where people it, can find well, out more about the practice no, because it's directly. proprietary to me, okay. <laughs> to, to my company. But you know, if, you know, our call. Oh, to that's what I mean. To be, contact a link to contact. Yeah. You. That's what oh, I mean. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. For absolutely, I'll make sure that you have all of that in the show notes and, and where Perfect. to find yeah. us. And yes. So, if you're listening to this part of the podcast, make sure to go check out the show notes if you're interested um, in learning more. Okay, that that was great. So jumping back to points two and three. Now let's uh, talking yes. about when you have this space that's maybe too big, going to uh, team retention and training. And I know there's a lot there we talked about mm-hmm. potentially could be hours and hours of content just on that topic. But um, any key tips on training and retention? And then knowing that, especially in the med spa space, the people that are performing services, they're your front lines. Like they're the people that are going to create mm-hmm. stickiness with your patient database. If you're having turnover with those people consistently, you're going to struggle in your business. So if you're a practice that's maybe in the position where things aren't going perfectly and you're trying to figure out how to survive and how to thrive, is it better to have one or two people that you can treat really well and just make sure that that person's appointment book is full as opposed to trying to do 10 different services where you've only got one or two appointments a day and then you can't Mm -hmm. really have a reliable staff to fulfill the service and because they're going elsewhere where they can get more consistent hours and better pay. Any thoughts on how to manage that or just top tips on, on training and retention? Yeah. I mean, 
I think number one, again, if you think about any, any business, training is at the forefront. It is the foundational element of any company, anybody being hired anywhere, even at Starbucks. If you just read that book, um, and you know Amazon, Apple, it doesn't matter where we go work. You know J and J, I work there. Um, there's a same. There's a lot of aesthetic conferences. I'm, you know, blessed and honored to speak at over 22 of them in a year. I wrote a training curriculum, and I wrote it on purpose because I come from a sales background and working for Metasys and Zeltique in Fortune 500 for 16 years. But there is no training today based on roles within the practice based on someone who's actually done it. Um, you know, I, again, I've sold my whole life. I, I owned a med spa in Beverly Hills, uh, which sold to, to a big chain. Um, so I think the training and retention are two very different things. How do you train your front desk to do 20 or 10 things that I can list for you? How do you train your providers to ask open-ended questions, bond, handle objections, overcome price, uh, you know, talk about a treatment plan, persuade, convince, ask quite again, th those things are the only things that are going to differentiate your practice and lead and tie right into retention. Because I'm never going to come back if, again, I saw my provider and she or he only talked to me, talked to me about one or two things, right? Maybe if I want... Botox, well, I, I would hope that somebody's going to talk to me about the wrinkles, fine lines, tone, texture, pigment, laxity. I could go on and on and on and on. No one comes in unless you're 20 years old and only needs Botox. So the fact that we don't do that because we're not mentally prepared or trained to believe, and this is what I say, if you're a provider, that's your obligation, right? That's your obligation to point out the things that could get me to the best outcome I'm looking for. But the only way to do that is, again, have the ability to ask me good questions. So, you know, again, training is, is yeah. one of the forefront things that we do. But the training your team leads to um, less uh, turnover. They're more, you know, invested in their job. They will produce more, which means more profitability for you. Ultimately, the patients are happier because we're, we're doing something that's going to lead to retention, which is, again, more profitability for the business. Yeah, that makes total sense. It'd be like if someone, like as a marketing provider, somebody came to us and they're asking about Facebook ads, and I'm looking at their website and noticing all these things that are going really <laughs> sideways with their SEO. It's like, it's your obligation to kind of tell people what you can yeah. do for them and right. let them make an educated decision based on the information you provide. And that's, I'm assuming that's the kind of stuff that makes a, a really serious impact in terms of the, how much a customer's spending with you through the course of the year too. Like if you're not doing yeah. those things, that one thing alone could be the difference between being profitable and not being profitable as a practice. A hundred percent. And why, you know, I, I use, again, the analogy, you've heard some of my, I use the analogy a lot. If you or I, or anybody, if we went to any other kind of doctor, a dentist, right? Your heart surgeon, you need a knee replacement and orthopedic. You're never going to get half the plan. They're going to tell you everything. An oncologist, I use that analogy a lot. Heaven forbid somebody have cancer. I'm not going to get a discount on my chemo, come back for radiation. Oh, don't bother. You know what I mean, call, call yeah. me when you need to come back. No one does. Nobody does that. So why, why in this, in the aesthetic space, do we feel 
mm, I don't really, again, I don't really want to talk to the patient about those things, or that's not what they checked off, or that's not what they need, or that's not what they can afford, or I'm not a salesperson. It that's just, that's just, we have to change our mindset. It is really more about transformational change. And if you're a nurse and, and, you know, an esthetician, an NP, a PA, a doctor, whatever you are, your job, right, as a provider is to be open-minded, to feel like that's what you're doing. You're educating. You know, selling is when you convince somebody that, that they need something and they don't versus informing and educating on something that's going to make me feel better about myself because you've identified or I've identified as the patient that I need it because of the questions you were able to ask me. And when you draw People buy, again, on that emotional state. I'm not buying the tangible implant or Botox or laser. I'm buying the outcome of how it's going to make me feel. So somebody better get down and dirty with me. Let me uncover how I feel so that I share with you as a patient, again, my vulnerabilities. And then you're able to say, well, Terry, based on what I heard you saying, you know, I'm going to recommend ABC, one, two, three. That, that's where people are like, oh my God, Ricky, that's amazing. Nobody ever told me that. Yeah, that's an that's an incredible mind shift. I was just listening to a podcast where we, we were going over that exact thing, and it was, if you're if you believe in what you're selling and you know it's going to help your customer, then all you're doing is excitedly educating them on this thing that can help them achieve the outcome, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, selling. I think people have this negative connotation of selling is like trying to convince someone of to purchase something they don't want or need, and we mm -hmm. don't want to be doing that. But I think that mind shift for the people that are on the front lines of your business, talking to your patients, can. Uh, obviously it would be super, super impactful. So that was a really great tip. Thank yeah. you. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by MedSpa Magic Marketing, my agency. We help med spas and aesthetics practices grow with more effective marketing strategies. And I know that's a vague phrase, right? That's a vague claim. So I have an offer for you. I offer this to any new prospects. If you're interested in exploring any of the, another marketing option, a new agency, or just getting into Facebook, Instagram, Google ads for the first time, I'd love to show you why we're different, what we're doing for clients. And we can do that via a one and a half hour planning session where I'll outline a specific marketing plan. And I'll give you all of the blueprints that we would implement if we were to do business together. Now you can take that, use that on your own, hire someone else to help you execute it or work with us. We really don't hold anything back on that strategy call. And I think you'll have uh, a lot of confidence in how you manage your marketing investment moving forward, understanding some of the nuances that can help you implement more effective marketing strategies for your business. So if you wanna do that, you can go to medspamagicmarketing.com. One of the other notes I had that you talked about was the idea of consultations. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts? And you have a little section here on um, mastering the art of the consultation. What are your thoughts on consultations? Is that something you recommend charging for doing as a, a free thing? And I think you have a benchmark in there of 70% of your consults should turn into uh, paid business. Can you talk a yeah. little bit about the idea of consults and what you recommend that framework looks like? Yeah, of course. Um, so nothing's for free. I mean, we're not running a nonprofit organization here. So again, if you're a provider, you have a high level of integrity, of education, of experience, and of money going out. It's very costly to run a business. So if you feel that you are offering quality service, why would your time be free? So I, I recommend everyone charge. And if somebody can't afford it, they shouldn't come to you. That's my hardcore belief. I don't deviate from that. Um, that's number one. And then two, back to, I think, kind of what we were just discussing about the training aspect. The consultation is the only time and place that the doors are shut. Nobody's in there listening to you. So no one knows what happened in that conversation. So if we're not tracking conversion rates, if we're not tracking, did someone 
write Ricky a tangible treatment plan or have a follow-up plan in place, we just missed the mark on all the metrics. So if you don't book, most of the time people aren't even calling you back. Like they call back after something's booked to check on you. Um, so I think, again, the consultation piece is directly correlated and tied to training. And then it's tied to that KPI. Cool. Makes sense. So to, to, to expand on that a little bit, I'm just trying to think of, of different scenarios. And one of the scenarios I'm thinking of is let's say, let's say I'm a practice that, because this is the conversations I guess I face as a marketing person. It's okay. like, how do we yeah. get more customers? How do we get more customers and how do we make whatever ad dollars we're spending work as efficiently as possible for us? If you're, if you're doing things like, uh, like you're, so charging for consultations mm -hmm. and avoiding discounting on services, for example, the trade-off being cost to acquire customers going to be generally higher. Um, mm -hmm. If you're not winning on reputation, so somebody Googles your practice and, and maybe they find things that are not as flattering as your top two competitors in town and your price points are, aren't competitive or they're not cheaper. So I guess on those two things, if we simplify it to reputation and price. So if you're not mm -hmm. winning on reputation and you're not winning on price, what is the compelling message that you're putting into the market to attract someone to come into your practice? I guess that's the part I struggle with. Well, I, I think if you're not winning on reputation, I'm, I'm a very big believer in questioning skills. Like, well, well, why? Like, are people writing negative things about you? Was the customer service not good? Was the reviews bad because of outcomes? Like, why is your reputation such? Because if you're already sort of losing there, then in my opinion, the quality of the people you're going to get aren't going to be the caliber that you may or may not want and or that they may be somebody coming in again one time to get something done because they want that thing done. That doesn't mean I am already a, a, a client that believes in retention versus right me just jumping around. Yeah. So, so I, maybe, I think I don't that's hard to fix that's hard to fix that. And then if you're I know that's that, that's the hard one that, I, yep. yeah. That's yeah. the hard one we always face. But maybe the answer then is just that's when if you're in the situation where like that's you, maybe that means the answer is to turn inward and start to fix some of the problems in your business before you worry about blasting out a marketing message to the world. They say bad, yeah. good marketing makes a bad product fail faster. And maybe that's the situation you're putting yourself in if you're not fixing some of those core issues in your business. So maybe that's well, the I answer. Think, yeah, I think that even when I work with people and again, people like yourself and, and so many others in the industry, it is the chicken and the egg. I mean, I speak... <laughs> for a lot of companies. And often people will run up to me after a presentation. Sometimes there's, you know, three, four hundred people in the room about the marketing piece, the marketing piece. If I buy this, how am I going to get this? And what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I just stop. I mean, and just really say, let me understand. I want to learn more about you, which from your perspective, that's what it is. What do you do today? What do you right? What does it cost you? What is it, right? What works? What doesn't? What's your retention? What, how much? We can... By the time I'll use myself, ask somebody a series of questions, they'll come up with their own answers at the end that they just don't know because it's yep. not the running to the marketing thing. You have a bigger problem with your infrastructure. And again, these are things we can fix. None of these things I'm saying, if people know me or have heard me, what you see is what you get. I don't lie. I don't bullshit. There's just too much noise out there, but it is about we've helped hundreds of thousands of people grow exponentially when someone's just really willing to be vulnerable 
and say, I heard you. Oh my God, thank you for just being so authentic and honest. This is the shit that's wrong and I need help. And if you can help me, then, and I say, I teach these seven steps. I'm a person, someone's going to need you. They're going to need it, right? Marketing and website and design and branding and social media and software. There's a whole host of things everyone needs, but when do you need them? And what is the most important avenue where you put your money to see the quickest return? And then we figure out the rest, but we have to do that practice assessment to figure out the rest. Otherwise, this is why the average med spa only makes 2 million. Now, I'm not trying to knock anybody. 2 million might be amazing for you, depending on your size and location. Might be freaking amazing, but maybe it's not. Maybe you could be making four or five, but if you don't know how to do that, we're just spinning our wheels. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I and I think, again, sometimes people think that marketing and advertising is like the solution when really it's Magic. putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. It's like, you have to crawl before you can walk <laughs> and walk before you can run. And like all of these things that we're talking about that are not the sexiest things are the things you have to do to to be successful as a practice. And yeah. it's just frustrating because I do, you do see people just overlook them all the time. And the tendency is to just like move on to the shiny object. So speaking of shiny objects, one of the mm-hmm. things that's come up on the podcast, that was an accidentally good segue that I wrote. Oh, love it. <laughs> love <laughs> one it. of the things that's come up a lot. And I talk to people all the time that seem to be in this situation. So going back to the quote, niches are in the, uh, the riches are in the niches that you had. There's part of that, um, is part of that about what services you're offering. So one of the things I seem to see with the practices that are struggling is they come out of the gates trying to do everything. So they've got six or seven machines that they're they're $300,000 that they can't afford, Botox filler. And then (laughs) they they come out and they're like, okay, well now I need to market and I need 50 new appointments a day. And then they don't have the budget to even market because they're broke from all the money they spent (laughs) on all this other stuff. (laughs) And then I've, I've talked to people like Jake Laban, um, yeah. former Allergan marketing executive on the West coast area. He's, he's just doing Botox and filler and building a multi-location practice. So what is like, what does that mix generally look like on the med spa side that you find to be most successful or, or their principles for how to structure your service offering as a new med spa that put you in a position for success long-term? A million percent. So I've known Jake and his wife for, I don't even know, probably 15, 20 years. So one, yes, the number one thing that you have to look at is, well, one, back to what, what do I want to be? What, what kind of business do I want to have, right? Is it a hair restoration? Is it a wellness? Is it a women's health? Is it all things to everybody? Whatever the hell that is. Like one, number one, I always ask people like, what is your d- desire and passion? I don't want to pick a hole in your dream, but that's one thing. Tell me what you think that you want to be and where and why. And even if somebody's in business, the second thing is, and this is how we've helped people grow multi, multi millions of dollars. I'm talking key opinion leaders that have been in business 30 years, some of the top plastic surgeons with med spas in the country. So if anyone's listening and you don't want to grow two and a half, three million, okay, if you do, then I want you to call me. (laughs) But we have to go back and say, okay, what services am I offering? And is my gross profit where it needs to be? It's it, we, this is what we built tools in our Apex platform, Ricky. On one sheet, it's going to give you red or green. You can literally tell, holy shit, I'm not making money just on the gross. Now think about it. If you're in business and you're paying Susie and Mary and you know Carrie to do your treatments, you're probably in a very fucked position. You could be losing so much money. What are you going to do? Fire them? You can't go change compensation. 
people are in a hot mess, right? But you yep. have to look at the services to say, wait a minute, then, but what, what can I do from that information? So that's what we consider profit per treatment. If it's below the 50 or 60%, why? And then what can I change? Time, I can control time. I can't control cost of goods unless I'm buying in bulk. Okay, so that then you start to look at revenue per hour. What should your med spa rooms generate, which they should know the benchmarks. Most don't. And if you don't, call me and I'll tell you. And then if you're below the revenue per hour baseline as a provider or as a service category, then then why? Again, are you in the room doing too much of something that doesn't make money? This is the shit you have to pick apart. This is exactly, and those two things alone should and can determine the decisions you make when you're going to buy something, add on something, or even start a new business. Like, am I picking the right procedures that yield the highest ROI and that my market and my geographical area demands? Once you do that, then you should be okay because you know you're going to make money. Then we'll teach you how to compensate your providers. People always ask that. How do we pay? And I'm like, well, what can your business afford to pay? You can't just pay people and not make money. So yep. back to those two KPIs are a pretty significant thing you you have to know. If, if people have already made the mistake there and they've got equipment, I think machines being the number one thing, and they don't have yeah. this focal point of what's actually making them money. I, I've talked to a lot of people and they seem like, and I don't know the reality of this because I'm not in, I don't work in the med spas. So it, what is the escape route or what is the change they can make if they're in that situation where they've got four or five, $250,000 machines with payments so astronomical that it's drowning their business? Is there a strategic shift there? You know, I, 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 I always try to go back to say, help me understand why did you buy these in the first place? What it's usually because they were told you... they were going to make a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, but I really want them to, because kind of, again, what you probably hear, what I hear, there's no magic wand that I have or that you have that's yeah. going to sprinkle around and fix it. And I, and I can't do that, but I, I want to partner with them in a collaborative, vulnerable way. And, and it helps me understand their thinking, their thought process, because I can't help somebody who wants to think or knows they need help. But then to your point, they may not have the money to do it. They're going to say they don't have the time to do it. Who's going to do it? I can't fix, we can't fix those things, but I would like to know, well, help me understand why you bought it in the first place. Did you think that, you know, it was going to be a miracle and you were going to get new patients? Was your team trained on it? Did you, you know, do a survey to your patients to see if they wanted it? Did you do a market demand? Do you have a marketing plan? I mean, there's a lot of things that have to come into play. Now, whether they did or didn't do some of those things is sort of irrelevant. I guess at that point in time, we have to decide how much money are you underwater? When is the break-even point for those pieces of equipment? Could you sell them back depending on the length of time you've had them, right? Could you lease them out to other people? Um, and or where can you forego where you're going to be able to go back to the training aspect of it in order to put a strategic marketing plan together? Because the marketing alone, just throwing money and hope it sticks and then exactly. having people come in that don't convert or aren't trained or aren't doing a treatment plan, you've just wasted all that money. So it's back to the basics again. I think that was that was awesome. I love those tips and those pointers. Well, Terry, it was awesome having you on. I hope we can do it again. Can you tell people where they can find yes. out uh, more about you and what you're up to? 
Oh my God. Absolutely. You guys. So, uh, yes, my email is Terry, T E R R I at Terry Um, my Terry Ross consulting website is such that Terry Ross consulting, where I still do some private stuff as well. A lot of it is around sales training. Uh, and then if you guys are interested in our apex platform, you can visit apxplatform.com. Our team is there. We would love to learn a little bit more about you do a discovery call and get you prepared for 2024 so that you guys are uh, ready to rock and roll for success. I love it. And we will include all the links in the show notes. Terry, thank you so much for being on. We look forward to having you on again, hopefully in the near future. Absolutely. Thanks, Ricky. Take care, hon. Thanks everyone for tuning in. This podcast is a production of MedSpa Magic Marketing. If your med spa or aesthetic practice is in need of digital marketing services, help with advertising on Facebook, Instagram, Google, lead generation, and booking more appointments, please visit medspamagicmarketing.com.